Good prayer, Lindsay. I was about to, to mute your microphone to, to lower the reverb. I was like, I, she's holding her mic. I think she's going to say something, and I'm glad I didn't because that's an excellent prayer. Would you mind turning the speaker? Also, I'm sorry that I almost cut you off there, Lindsay. I knew y'all were adding We Exalt Thee. I'm so glad you did, too. So uh, this is not a part of the sermon uh, or the message, um, but I am just so thankful for, for not just the talent that we have, uh, because there are a lot of places that have talent. Um, what I'm thankful for is that you guys are willing to share your talent. There are a lot of people that are, that are not willing to do that. And that's two things, um, in my opinion. Uh, one, it's because the people that are, that are here and the people that are watching on video, you respond in grace. And it's a lot easier for people to share their talents when they know that people are going to respond in grace. Um, that's just a wonderful thing. You, you look at people and don't go, hey, they messed up on that slide. You look at people and you go, they're doing wonderful. And how awesome is that? So thank you for being people of grace. Uh, and then the, the other one is that you were brave enough to, to jump out and just do something when you're, I mean, there's always somebody better at something. Always somebody better. I, I, I've known a couple of professional athletes in my time. I was the youth minister for a couple, um, for one, excuse me, and then I had a friend in high school. And uh, they were the most talented people I have ever known in anything. Uh, they were incredible. And then they got up to the NFL, and they were mediocre. Um, there's always somebody better, always. And it takes a lot of, of trust and guts to jump up and just do that, so I appreciate it. So I'm going to throw out a, a, a possible way for others to do something if you'd like to. One, we are always, as a group, open to something new. Um, and I'm not looking for performers. I'm looking for pe people that want to serve. So like, we've done things. One of the first things we did that I just thought was completely hilarious, and I thought, well, this is dumb and is not going to work, and it was beautiful, was somebody who, who did rapping with a cellist. Do you remember that? Jan, do you remember that? Okay. We had a cellist. Cellist? Am I saying that right? Yeah, okay. A cellist who came and played, and somebody rapped beside it, and I thought, that is just going to be dumb. But let's try it. It was wonderful. It was an incredible experience, and it really helped me to worship. Um, so anything. But I have something I would like to do. So some of you may remember this. You probably don't. We did a lot of, of responsive prayers at the beginning of the pandemic. What you don't know is about half of those were written by me because I suddenly started going, hey, this is kind of fun. I want to write responsive prayers. And the reality, truthfully, is uh, life has just gotten a little busy for me, so I don't I have I usually manuscript my sermons. I'm now doing more of an extensive outline rather than manuscripting, and I don't have as much time to write some of that. If you are like, I enjoy writing, but I don't know how to write a responsive prayer, I will teach you how to write a responsive prayer, and I'm not asking you to lead it. You can. I'm asking if you would write it. Uh, one of the things I love is when communities begin to develop their own ways of doing things. Uh, if anybody ever wants to write a song, Let's do that, too. But if you're looking for something, you're like, I like writing. I would love for some people to write some responsive prayers. I was just thinking while we were singing, I was like, I want to start writing them again. But I'd love it even more if the community was doing it. So if you're on video, if you're interested, I can teach you. It's pretty easy, but you probably know already. Uh, you say something, and people respond to it typically in the same way. Yes, sir, Clancy? I was going to say, uh, writing, you know, Yes, it's very much like writing a song with a chorus. That's a good way of describing it. So, um, now then, let's read some scripture. So, Charlie's going to operate the scripture for me, and I, f I believe, I tried it earlier, 
But Charlie, I believe I'm going to be able to actually operate my own PowerPoint. Um, we will see, okay? We're going to be reading verse 16 um, to 24. So this is what the word of the Lord says. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake, uh, lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waves grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were headed or heading. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but they had gone away uh, alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. Okay, I'm about to show you the video that I am worried will get us a strike, uh, which is why I will be delisting this video by six today. It's, it makes me laugh every time I watch it, okay? But it also does a good job of summarizing the sermon. So I'm going to come over here so that I can kill the audio if I need to because it's too loud. Last week I gave a fire safety talk. And nobody paid any attention. It's my own fault for using PowerPoint. PowerPoint is boring. People learn in lots of different ways. But experience is the best teacher. Today, smoking is going to save lives. What's the procedure? What do we do, people? The are dead. Oh, how did that happen? It's out in the hall. No, we don't know that. The smoke could be coming through an air duct. Touch the handle. If it's hot, there could be a fire in the hallway. What does warm mean? Oh my gosh, Not a viable option. What next? Don't try. Go to the other door. Oh, here's a door. Check that one out. How's the handle? It's warm. Okay, go to the back well, door. Well, uh, another option. Get out of the way. Go, go, go. No, things can be replaced, Phyllis. People, human lives, however, can... Ah, my hand, that's hot. This one's hot, too. Okay, oh. we're trapped, everyone for himself. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Get out of my way. Okay, okay. Oh, Have you ever seen a burn victim? Okay, procedure, procedure. Excellent option. Where do we go, folks? What, use a what to cover the mouth? A what? A rag, a damp rag, perhaps. Let's remember those procedures. What are the options? Okay. That's the wrong way. We've already tried that. Remember your exit points. Exit points, people. What's next? Huh? Stay alive. I'm getting help. Pull me up. You're too heavy. I only weigh 82 pounds. Say bandit. 
got 911. Anyone? 911. What do we do? Use this surge of fear and adrenaline to sharpen your decision making. Okay, I am not dying here. Come on. Attention! Employees of Dunder Mifflin! This has been a test of our emergency preparedness. There is no fire, it was only a simulation. What? Asking yourself, Robert, we just read about Jesus walking on the water. What in the world does that have to do with, with Jesus walking on the water? And I think it has a lot to do with it. And, and what it has to do with it is, well, what the ancient Near Eastern Israelites thought of, of oceans. So when they thought of oceans, they thought of chaos. Chaos is the core there. And Jesus, what he's doing now, as I mentioned last week, everything he's doing in this, this chapter is reflecting back on the Exodus. If you remember last week, we talked, we talked about him providing bread for 5,000, bread and fishes, loaves and fishes, and that hinted back to God providing manna in the wilderness while they were on the Exodus, while they were uh, going to the promised land. Does anybody remember anything that might have happened with water during the Exodus? I love the way different people did things. Clancy's like this. Lindsay's like this. Her parting of the Red Sea is much more expansive than Clancy's. Clancy's is like God provided a narrow little hallway. Lindsay's like it's a highway. Yes, there's a hint back to this, but it's all the more meaningful because of this mindset they had of chaos. You will find it throughout the Old Testament. It's, it's pretty incredible. Matter of fact, here. Let's go back to, to Genesis 1. This is what Genesis 1 sa says here. In the beginning, very first verse, uh, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is a scary situation. It's Formless. Form matters a lot to, uh, to the ancients. It matters a whole lot. If you know anything about, uh, about Greek philosophy, you know that form matters a lot to them. Plato, Plato thought it was all about form when you get down to it. Aristotle after him was quite often about form. But as far as the, the ancient Near Eastern Jews were concerned, your form was, you know, what is your purpose? And the beginning of creation is there's water and there's no form. To give you a, an idea of how in-depth this goes into the psyche. And, and, I mean, again, think of it. There are things that affect us that are just cultural. Uh, most of you are from Wisconsin. I say you because me, Pam, and, and uh, my mom are the Southerners in the room. But you know how important the dairy industry is within um, the life of a Wisconsinite. Like, you guys love cows. It's just a part of who you are. 
it's, it's fascinating. Uh, Charlie Barron, if you've ever followed his comedy, has these things where he's just doing trips and he's just counting cows on the trip. And I thought it was a joke, but now I know people who actually just do that. They're like spotting cows. It's a part of who you are. Part of who an ancient Near Eastern Jew uh, was, was not a fear of water. It wasn't that. It was the chaos of the sea. This goes to the point of every time a ship is referenced before King Solomon, it is referenced pointing to somebody who is an enemy of Israel. King Solomon, okay? Now, going through history, they come into the Promised Land. They go through the era of the Judges, which was probably around 500 years. Uh, they have their first king, King Saul. They have their, their greatest king, King David. Solomon finally builds the first navy for the Israelites. It's the first time they've had ships that were for governmental purposes. Here's what it says in the, in the scripture. It says, King Solomon also built ships at Ezon Geber, which is near Eleth in Adam, on the shore of the Red Sea. And Hiram sent his men. Now Hiram is the king of Tyre, a nation that is right beside Israel that is on the ocean. Um, uh, sent his men, sailors who knew the sea, to serve in the fleet with Solomon's men. This is why this is important. Solomon mans all of his armies with his people, with Israelites, for everything else until he builds a navy. When he builds a navy, suddenly he has to depend upon another king to send his men because the Israelites are not sailors. It is just not a part of who they are. If you look quite often, the Leviathan will be mentioned. I say quite often, a few times. It will be mentioned. The Leviathan was probably a whale or an octopus because the scariest thing to an ancient Near Eastern uh, Jew was a monster from the chaos. The behemoth is mentioned also, which was probably a whale. And it is a monster from the chaos. That chaos is there. And, and what happens here? Well, Jesus literally walks over the chaos. And it's not even just walking on the water. If you remember, we have a description of the weather pattern that is happening in the text here. It's not just thrown in randomly. This is not a calm sea that he's walking over. It's not just some nice little, uh, little pathway that he's walking over. There have been people who have speculated saying, oh, Jesus knew where the stones were and he just walked across it. That doesn't work in a storm. It doesn't work truthfully in reality because he's walking to a boat. The boat's not going to be like, oh, there's a pathway with stones. We'll just go right beside it. They're conveying a message here, and the message is there's chaos here. But Jesus is the Lord who is able to not only manage it, but to literally walk over it as though it's nothing. Now, Hopefully that's good news to you because there is chaos in our life. I mean, I showed the video because I was talking to Pam and she was like, how's the sermon going? And, and that's a typical question. And I feel like my typical answer is I know where it's, where it's going. I don't have um, my, my big idea yet. Uh, I found out this week that I preach sermons still as a youth minister, so I'm still a, a youth minister at heart. There is a program that I, I used on a trial basis called Sermonary for writing your sermons, and I realized that I liked Word better, uh, but it does have these templates. And I was like, I wonder what, uh, what template my sermon style uh, fits into. And I'm going through the list of sermon templates, and there's the youth minister template. 
And my sermon style fits exactly within the youth minister template. Catch your attention illustration. What's the big point? Scripture, how do we use this in our lives? That's what I do every week. And I'm not ashamed of that. I'm real proud of it, okay? I'm very excited about it. But she asked me, she's like, so how's it going? And I said, I know where it's going. I know what I believe God wants to say through this, but I don't have something to catch my idea right, you know, to, to kind of convey the idea. And we were talking, we were like, I, I'd like to be able to show a video of just chaos happening. And we started walking through some scenes. And, and all these scenes that we had in our head uh, was, were, were things that took a long time to develop. I love the TV show Community. There's one episode called The Darkest Time, Timeline. And the last part of that is pure chaos. It's so much so that Jason literally just laughed when I just mentioned it to him. It's hilarious, but it takes forever. She mentioned some scene in the, in the Divine Secrets of the Yahya Sisterhood, which I tried to watch a lot of scenes from on YouTube yesterday, and I couldn't find the one that was chaotic. Um, I found several that were about a car chase, which I wasn't expecting. And, and there are all these scenes. But this one that I showed from the office helped convey for me what it is, because we have probably all had that moment where not only that does something go wrong, but something goes wrong, and then something goes wrong on top of that, and then something goes wrong on top of that, and then something goes wrong on top of that. And sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's funny because you're like, what else can I do but laugh? But sometimes it's terrible. Because you see everything falling down in front of you. The funny ones are okay. The funny ones we, we laugh about later on. They become stories like, oh, that's a fun thing to share. When Pam and I got our very first cat, one of the greatest cats on the face of the planet, I'm not a cat fan, but Keebler was absolutely amazing. He's a Himalayan cat, which means he was furry. Pam made homemade donuts, and he was walking by the deep fryer where the donuts were made, and he wagged his tail into the deep fryer. Big, fluffy cat, like a sponge, soaks up oil. It hits his tail. He realizes this burns. He begins to run around the house, and now not only is our cat hurt, but I am running after him trying to catch him, but every time I get close, I'm having hot oil thrown on me, and there was a ring around our apartment where the cat and I were running around the apartment. It's funny at that point. For the first 10 years of our, our, our marriage, uh, every time we went on an anniversary trip, everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. We locked our keys in our cabin uh, while we were trying to go out to eat. We came back to our cabin only to find out that there was a Billy Joel concert in the, um, the park that we were at, and we could not find a ranger because of that. We knocked on the ranger's door for two hours trying to get a keys. Those are funny. But then there are the moments where the chaos happens where you just know you're, you're going to get punched in the face again. That is a part of it. There, there's chaos in our life that he saves us from. Scripture says, the disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked. The disciples were convinced that they were going to die. They were not 
in some situation where it's funny. These were people who were fishermen who were used to being on the water and the storm got so terrible that they were sure they were going to die and they look at the one that they have given their lives to and they say, don't you even care? That might sound familiar. There have been points in my life where I have screamed out, God, where are you? Why is this going on? There is chaos that beats us down. Where the tests are too much. The subject is something you can't understand. Where the people that you thought were your friends have turned their backs on you where you don't know where your next meal is coming from, where the the pet that you loved and was your life has passed away. It's just chaos. And what does Jesus show? He shows that he's still Lord even in the midst of the storm and he's able to walk over it. And that should matter to us. See, that chaos is there. You gotta be kidding me. There we go. In in our lives. Was that you or was that me? <laughs> Chaos. <laughs> and we need a God who is able to walk through it, to be there to pick us up, to be there to hold on to us and say, the waves may be strong, the wind may be overpowering, but it will not overpower me, and I have got a hold of you. We literally just sang, leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning on the everlasting arms matters when those arms will not be shaken by the chaos. That's when it matters. That's why the church referred to to our Lord as an anchor. He will not be moved unless he wants to be moved. But there's another chaos that's also here. It's not just the chaos that's in our lives. We all experience that. But there is also the chaos that he invites us into because of his life. It is chaotic. Look at what the disciples go through in following Jesus. He invites them to walk on water with him, and it disrupts the whole world. In in the Acts of the Apostles, they're referred to as the people who turned the world upside down. See, every now and then, the one who walks on water like Peter, ask you to walk on water. And that's scary. Now, what quite often happens is we think that he's going to ask us to do something big, but the big things are easy. What he usually does instead is he asks us to do the little things. Those are the ones that are truly scary. Giving money is easy. Loving the person who just drives you nuts is difficult. Doing something dramatic is easy and has its own reward. Having hope in the midst of agony is difficult. 
Paul describes the fruits of the Spirit, i.e., literally, the things that grow out of your life if the Spirit is in you. In the following ways, he says this. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We negate this so much. We, we treat it as though it's some cute little kid song. But the reality is the Romans could not understand this. The ancient Near East could not understand this. How can you be patient when it's the person who shouts, the Karens of the world that get everything done? How can you love when your enemy is coming after you? How can you be gentle when it's the person who's rude that gets the response? These were the fruits of the Spirit, and these are the things that Jesus is inviting you and I into. And the reality is, it will cause chaos quite often. Because it will cause you to respond in a way different than the way you're used to responding. It will cause you to do things different than what other people think is best for you. It will cause you to be the loving individual in a world that thinks love is just about self-satisfaction. I've taught you nothing new today. To be honest, that's most weeks. But what I've hopefully reminded you of is in the midst of the chaos you face, there is a Lord who loves you who literally, literally walks on the waters of chaos. And sometimes He calls you into that chaos. Sometimes he pulls you up out of that chaos. But he is always Lord. So does anybody have anything to add today? Yes, ma'am, Jan. Can you use a different word than chaos? Chaos, yes, I can. I've been saying it a lot today, haven't I? (laughs) I would say it is in, in this example. So I think one of the biggest fears we as humans have is a complete and utter loss of control. And chaos is the complete and utter loss of control. So Pam and I were talking yesterday. Um, there's a book that came out in the 90s. Um, I cannot remember the name of it because I, I wasn't planning this part. Uh, but it was written by a lawyer about JF, the JFK assassination. And it was a really big seller. And his point of the entire book was, for the vast majority of the population, it is better for them to think there is a, a cabal of big, big people in control of the world that orchestrated this assassination than it is for them to think some random guy was able to get a gun and shoot the most powerful person in the world. That the random guy with three bullets being able to shoot the most powerful person in the world was scarier to them because it reflected a loss of control. Most of us would rather face a known pain than an unknown certainty. Control is what we long for in the world, and the reality is we have none of it. That is the chaos we face even when we're alone. And I would say... Some people, when they're alone, 
Chaos affects them more than they would be willing to admit because for some people, they're not willing to go out and meet others because they're so scared of what could happen. It's that loss of control, whereas I can control by just being here. Yes. And he always took No, and I would say, yeah, uncertainty, which, again, I would connect with chaos to some extent, but, Jan, I would say, I mean, for those of us in the room who've been through a death, it, it is a loss of uncertainty, I mean, it is a loss of certainty by far. You get thrown, I mean, I'm probably the only person in the room who's used to, to dealing with funerals, I'm guessing, and then suddenly everybody expects you to make all of these decisions that you never thought you were going to have to be able to make. And now you're having to deal with paperwork that you didn't have to deal with beforehand. Nobody ever walks you through uh, why you need a death certificate and why you need more than one death certificate. Uh, It's this uncertainty. Again, I would come back to chaos because I think chaos at its core is a loss of control. But whatever word works for you there, what I'm still saying is Jesus is the one who is certain in uncertain times. Jesus is the one who is on the throne when we have no control whatsoever. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Clance, go for it. Yeah, his light comes into the midst of that. And I'll end with one verse on that because I think it's good. We always think, oh, it's so wonderful that God can speak light into darkness. But if we're honest with it, it should cause us a little bit of fear too. Not because we can't trust him, but because when we really know his his nature, we know, well, he's not a tame lion, but he's safe. I'm sorry, he's not a tame lion, He's not a safe lion, but he's good. I butchered my hero's words. That's scary. Here's why I bring this up. One of the references to Jesus and water is him calming a storm. We mentioned it earlier. I left out the disciples' response after they were saved by Jesus. This is what the next verse says. Charlie, thank you. (laughs) In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They were just saved by Jesus. And their fear has turned 180 degrees. If you go back to that passage, they were scared of the 
the storm beforehand. They were crying out, Lord, don't you even care that we're going to die? And he calms everything, and suddenly they are no longer scared of a storm. They are wondering, who is this that we're in the boat with? He is our anchor, but he will ask you to go down pathways that you never thought were possible. To love people that you think are impossible to love. To give things that you never thought you could give. To do things that everything in your being says, I can't do that. I'm not talented enough to do that. And he will grab you by the hand and invite you to walk on that chaos. So go this week. Know he's there for you in the moments where there is no certainty and no control. And realize that every now and then he will invite you into his uncertainty and his lack of control as far as the world's concerned. When he's certain of everything and he controls everything. I think my, thank you. I think my battery just died, so I'm going to do this. Would you join with me in our closing prayer? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. I know there are storms in your life that you will face them. I hope not this week. I hope it's really calm for you. But what I know even more than knowing that there are storms and there will be storms, is that we have a God who is able to walk on the waters. He is an anchor, sure and solid, and we can lean on Him. Have a good week, okay?